demonstrating that your model can help forecast their numbers gives them a reason to pay attention and to be willing to give the next step. You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a B2B podcast that brings you the juiciest insights from go-to-market leaders and practitioners. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Sunny Side Up podcast. Today, I'm super excited, everyone, to welcome a new guest to the show back on Sunny Side Up. And as your host, Kieran Conway from Demandbase, I'm here to introduce you to Marillo Jukum on how is data science used in product management. Marillo is head of product and data science at HP's 3D printer and service division and has over 25 plus years of experience as a product manager with heavy technical background experience. Marillo, I'm super excited to talk to you. Welcome to the show. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Kieran. Awesome. Awesome. So, uh, you know, Marillo, how do you how do you combine in your role today at HP using data science models to position the effectiveness of your 3D print products? Yeah, that's a great question. The potential for data science to enhance the ability to quantify things is enormous. Um, that's not just a case for positioning a product, but many other areas like, you know, quantifying the value, model segmentation, creating pricing, profitability scenarios, you name it. I like to say that uh, Studio is my dot product enabled Excel. Using a tool like that significantly is, expands the possibilities of uh, quantifying things. You can load data from different sources, transform, combine, derive predictive models, and so on. It's a really, really powerful. It, it's a game changer. Let's say you want to quantify your product's value proposition, for instance. Uh, the regular path for that is to open an Excel, start an inputting scenarios and, you know, sell formulas that transform in, you know, things into value created in dollars. So if you have a more advanced tool like uh, uh, R or Python or something like that, you can do that. Plus, you can load a bunch of other spreadsheets and, and folders. You can load data sets with 1 million rows, which is challenging for Excel. You can do web scrapping for to get information from a website. You know, I have ran regression models to uh, model the value uh, created by one of the solutions that we have and uh, compared to another and determine pricing. So if you see things like the practices in the market, like co-joint analysis, that a small subset from data science. So that's actually... Uh, linear regression, right? But the problem with that is, if what if your model is not linear? So what if your customers, you know, in a co-joint analysis, you compare the value of different features, right? So in different magnitudes. So what if your customers disproportionately value feature A over feature B? So is that proportion a linear, quadratic, <laughs> and so on? So... Let's say if you have, you're modeling the price of an iPhone, we are trying to understand the price or the value created by an iPhone. And uh, let's say you have a one terabyte and a 10 terabyte and a hundred terabyte version. 
So is it the 100 terabyte? 10x over the 10 terabyte, maybe not for most customers, right? So maybe you you need to start uh, modeling diminished returns and things like that. So it's not just the tool, of course, it's, it's also the math, but the tool is more welcoming to complexity. So you can think of starting to segment uh, using k-means and clustering algorithms to segment your market and uh, modeling your cost structure, which is likely or likely it's a hundred percent non, you know, multivariate, right? So it's a really powerful tool to enable multiple aspects of your product design, go to market and you name it. Awesome. I love the uh, example of the iPhone. I think we all can relate to that. And it sounds like based on all the analysis that you've done, a data sets, this would be very valuable for organizations to understand not only pricing, but, you know, future investments and where to go to next in terms of target markets and white space opportunity. Um, but it's probably not that easy, right? That as it sounds. And that kind of leads us to the next question of like, what types of challenges do you face when trying to utilize data within your organization and have, you know, that organization see the value in what you're doing? Yeah, I guess there are two ways to answer this question. One is there is the aspect of obtaining the data from other parts of the organization. And the other one is using the data to inform other parts of the organization, right? On the obtaining data side of things. So data comes in all forms, right? It's the, the it's typically messy. So particularly for uh, non-tech areas. But the valuable data comes in all sorts of forms. You you need to welcome that messiness. And sometimes you have to sit with a, an expert from another area and build the, the, the data set yourself. Unless you're talking about engineering, data rarely comes in structured SQL databases, right? So you, you have to embrace this... Uh, diversity of formats and uh, qualities of data from the various parts of the organization. So, but it's, it's really valuable. So it's like finding gold or diamonds. If you're willing to roll up your sleeves and, and dig, it's a matter of attitude, I guess. So you can sit and wait for the world to confirm to your expectations, or you can accept thing things, as they are and leverage the value created from that. So on the second part, informing the, or preparing your data to inform other parts of the organization, you can stick with the status quo and um, present the data as people usually consume them. When, for instance, when finance folks ask me, what is your margin? I could just give them a number which is what they typically expect, right? And and just uh, guardrail that number with some assumptions. Hey, here are my assumptions, or I can talk about past data, but that's not where the value of data is. I could also make, you know, I have made my mission to push the boundaries a little bit, complementing the answer that they would expect with, uh, well, there is also the expected margin for the next four quarters, which is accelerating in a quadratic place, pace. And, uh, and uh, here's the chart that shows that, right? So visuals typically help. So often people get intimidated 
at first. But when you frame things from their point of view, they start paying attention. So, uh, for instance, finance loves predictability. So their golden dream is to be able to close a quarter as forecasted, right? So demonstrating that your model can help forecast their numbers gives them a reason to pay attention and to be willing to give the next step, right? So then you bring them into the conversation, soon they start to contribute. And sometimes that means that you build their models in a more importable way so they can consume them in in their own spreadsheets and and consume your forecasting. But it's all about thought leadership and uh, it's about creating a genuine report uh, rather than pushing, right? Absolutely. Thank you for that. Can you like share, like, those are kind of challenges that you face, but can you share a situation finally, like where using third-party data to enrich your first-party customer data helped solve an issue that drove a profitable result for the company? Yeah. So I can say that, the, you know, I need to to highlight that, you know, I'm not a spokesperson for HP, so I'm not, I'm speaking for myself, but I can say that HP uh, is very careful about uh, customer data. So it's a very conservative company on that matter, uh, and rightly so. We are obsessed about as much about delivering value to the customer as we are about protecting their privacy and actively informing and asking for respective permissions. So either that's external or internal customers or third-party data, legal, ethical matters, don't do anything that wouldn't pass a headline test, right? That said, I've recently used, for instance, the NOAA's, so the uh, weather agency for the United States to augment our ability to diagnose issues, for instance. Our 3D printing process is a, is a thermal sintering process. It means that it melts the, the polymer and uh, envir- environmental temperature and humidity are key external factors to manage, right? Uh, that started with uh, news reports of uh, unusual freezing weather in certain regions of the United States and followed by customers reporting some issues and uh, this uh, work to augment the data on the installed base with uh, customer weather data, which helped understanding the relationship between weather events and uh, the the issues that we were seeing in the field uh, that helped us improve our understanding of uh, the production process, the uh, update our recommendations to customers, automatically trigger uh, preventive event, uh, preventive actions right, to remediate those uh, issues. And uh, I, I guess the point of, uh, of using external data is to avoid the not invented and are in this case of the not collected here, right? It's uh, it's a not a wise business approach for data. So third-party data is really, really powerful to augment what you have. And you should make a heavy use of that for insights for your business. Great. That's awesome. I really appreciate the, the level of detail and sharing with our audience your personal experiences, whether they're not related to HP, but uh, just in the history of your career as lengthy careers in product management and data science. 
Is there, Marillo, a resource that you would suggest that people can follow to help build their strengths in these areas of product management and data science today? Yeah, I would recommend a book. It's called uh, Fundamentals of a Machine Learning for uh, Predictive Data Analytics, so by MIT Press. And uh, I know that this can be intimidating for uh, some uh, audiences, but uh, this is a book that brings foundational insights on uh, predictive data analytics and how the whole process works. And it has a reference model to work on uh, data science projects and how to conduct them, case studies on real world problems. Uh, then it digs deeply in the, into the various approaches like error-based learning, which is the most common like deep learning and this kind of a uh, uh, techniques, but also probability-based learning and so on. It's a great book, which I recommend at least the, you know, the few first chapters for a broader audience. That's, that's a really good. Great. Sounds like an excellent resource for sure in your world. Is there also like people that in your network that you've learned from in the past or that you would recommend would be a valuable asset to our show in the future? I could give you a big list. Uh, I'm I'm going to try to make a justice to to the choices. But one, you know, I have three people that I could recommend that uh, I would highlight. Uh, one of them is uh, Schrader Salur. Uh, we founded two businesses together in uh, inside HB, and um, he's the CEO for Canmore Brands and former CPO of Shark Ninja and uh, Berkshire Gray and second person is a, is a good good friend as well and uh the second person that i'll recommend is uh, bernardo huberman he's the former senior fellow of hp and uh, he's a, currently a vp and fellow at cable labs and uh third will be bill geyser so he's a veteran in uh wearables entrepreneurship he worked at uh, fossil he founded a company, MetaWatch, and we work together in the HP wearables as well. So I can give you the contact information for, for them. Excellent. Thank you. You sound like they'd be real valuable assets to the show. And then finally, if, if our audience has any interest in following up or questions about some of the content you sh gratefully shared with us today, how can they reach you? How can they contact you? What would be the best way to do that? Uh, I think LinkedIn. Probably. My handle is just my last name, J-U-C-H-E-M. That's the the main point of content I was saying. Awesome. Thanks, Marilla. I mean, I really enjoyed having you on our show today. Uh, thank you so thank much you. for being Quite part of this fast-growing network we have here at Sunnyside Podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Today's episode is made possible by Demandbase. Demandbase is smarter GTM for B2B brands to help marketing and sales teams spot the juiciest opportunities earlier and progress them faster. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Sunnyside Up. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us and subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube and Demandbase TV.